I used to work with your daughter years ago. And now she said that you, you were a tampering perv, whatever a tampering perv was. Anyway, um, no, enough of that. Come on, <laughs> Harry, get on with it. Hello and welcome to the Motor Mouth Podcast with Harry Benjamin and Tim Sylvie. This is the place where we meet some of the biggest names in and around motorsport, chat about their lives and everything in between. Did you know that Motor Mouth is on Patreon? Yes, you can support your favourite podcast if you want. And in return, we've got some great goodies and bonus content to give you. Just search Motormouth Official on Patreon, where there are three levels of membership. Become a Motormouth Companion for just £5 per month with our eternal thanks, early access to all podcast episodes, ad-free. If you fancy going for £7.50 per month and becoming a Motormouth Associate, that means you can ask your own questions to our guests as well as enjoy ad-free early access to every single podcast. And if you're an absolute Motormouth legend and want to do £10 per month, you will get an official Motormouth baseball cap, a personal thank you on the actual show from us, and everything else, including ad-free, early access, and the opportunity to ask a question. Just search Motormouth Official on Patreon or follow the links in the detail of this podcast. Your support means everything to us and keeps us going, so thank you. Before we kick off with today's guest, we must tell you about our Season 5 sponsors and the great team over at Motus One. Sponsors are vital for our survival and ensure we can continue to bring you interviews with the biggest names in racing. So if you or your company require event transportation, Dana and his team at Motus One has you covered anywhere in the world. From a single chauffeur-driven sedan to a fleet of luxury SUVs, Teslas or motor coaches, find your transportation solution with Motus One. With offices worldwide, including the Middle East, Europe and Africa, they can support your transportation needs regardless of your location. Motus One is committed to world-class service at the best possible rates to ensure your event goes without a hitch. Contact them at motusone.com. We'll put all their social links in the podcast description. And a massive thanks to Dana, their CEO and founder, for having faith in our show and joining us for season five. Now, on with today's episode. This week on the Motormouth podcast, we had the speediest chat ever with one of motorsport's true legends, Eddie Jordan, former team owner, former racer, and of course, F1 pundit. He's always got an opinion, and we find out what he thinks of the current state of Formula One, as well as being let into a couple of juicy stories from his time in motorsport. Thank you so much to you guys who continue to download and listen. If you like it, please do leave us a review. It really helps us to get bigger and enjoy. Hello, everyone. Tim Sylvie here. Now, before we introduce today's guest, I need to head over to Essex to seek out my lofty, big-footed friend, Harry Benjamin. How are you doing? I'm really well, Tim. Um, great. Let's chat uh, some more um, and uh, keep this rolling, but we haven't got long with our guests. So we I haven't got no long. about what I've been up to. We've got about half an hour with a man we really want to talk to, so shall I crack on and introduce him? Let's do it. The people will understand. So, today we speak with a man who's not shy of an opinion or two and seems to know the latest F1 news and gossip before anybody else. He's a former racing driver, team owner, uh, F1 analyst, entrepreneur, Eddie Jordan. Welcome to the Motormouth podcast. Yeah, that's a great pleasure. The fact that you tampered with my daughter, I presume, all those years ago, put you in a sort of a different position. So I perhaps 
need to talk to you at some stage <laughs> on a different matter. But anyway, to, go to, ahead. To give our listeners some context, I I, uh, I used to work with Eddie's daughter, Mickey, and I promise there was no tampering involved. <laughs> and I'm sure Mickey will vouch for me, and I, I'm I'm assured that her husband is in shot somewhere. So I'm I'm staying well clear. <laughs> I'll um I'll steer the conversation yeah. onwards, shall? Eddie, 2020 lockdown. How have you navigated it, or what's it been like in the world of Eddie Jordan? Um, well, uh, I have to say that I, I had a really uh, positive time. It, it was pretty horrific for most people. We mustn't uh, let that escape our mind. Um, that a, a lot of people suffered, a lot of people died, and there was a lot of trauma and uh, uh, real problems within life, whether it be not just commercial things, but home life and health and happiness. They were all affected. But thankfully for me, um, I was able to... I spent most of it in Cape Town. I was still able to ride my bike and get out a bit, uh, despite certain severe lockdowns. But, you know, hopefully that's over us now and we can look forward to a new life for the new year. Now, Eddie, let's let's go back. Let's go back a few years. Take it back to the start. When did this racing bug appear for you? Is it Was it always there as a youngster or did it just come suddenly one day? Well, you, you know, I came up, I'm a, I'm a lot older than you guys. And, you know, I was born in, in 48, not long after the war. Um, Ireland was in a difficult situation at the time. We, we had no uh, industry, so to speak, and um, which in actual fact, as years rolled on, it was probably a positive because uh, the Industrial Revolution, if you like, that Britain have, we were left with a lot of unused factories and a lot of unused work. So Ireland didn't have that. They were a very agricultural country, and so we were brought up... Um, uh, much less well off, but nevertheless um, with a much cleaner and a much better environment. And, and the, the great secret about Ireland, and I must say this, that there were two things that stood out uh, more than anything, and that was health and education. And they they invested everything in those aspects. And I think the more and more Irish people that you see globally as we go around the world and diff- meet different people, you find, or I find, um, that I'm, I'm constantly reminded how good the philosophy of the Irish government way back in those times, because there is a great level of uh, intellect, there's a great level of, um, uh, you, you know, real people with education, but there was also a great caring for the health, uh, and, and therefore then the wealth of the country came. And as a result, there was a lot of uh, inward investment, and that's what makes Ireland so positive, so strong as we speak. Well, well said, Eddie. I think that's a great, uh, a great <gasps> spokesperson for for Ireland. Of course, I'd expect nothing I, less. But uh, I, <laughs> I, I did nick some money from them with the tourist board. <laughs> Ireland was, was on the first Formula One car I had. Uh, but anyway, just going on from that, um, Formula One was never in my mind. I didn't answer the question properly, um, and it was only you know uh, there was a bank strike in, in my early twenties, which is so so late by most people now. Um, even the chance to get back into racing and then start in Formula Ford and karting, Formula 3, um, a little bit of Formula 2. Um, you know, I, I was lucky enough to get a, uh, some testing at McLaren, but that was very short. And, and really, I wasn't really a good enough driver because the years had caught up with me. I was 30 at that stage. I was married with Zoe, Mickey's uh, older sister, and, and, and I had a really crisis uh, in my life as to what do I do next and um, go back to Ireland to being a banker which I'd studied um, and which I'd got my uh, Institute of Bankers exams etc but I didn't want to do that 
Uh, and when I was with Marlborough, there was one particular person, there was a lot of great people there, people like James Hunt and um, Prost uh, came not not long after that. There was people like John Watson, there was uh, Emerson Fittipaldi, but there was one person who um, took me on board and, and was really helpful in terms of advice uh, and pushing me in certain directions, and that was Nicky Lauda. Right. He said, look, Eddie, I've seen what you do with the Marlborough and the promotions, the commercial side of things, um, but also I can see from, from your financial uh, background that you would be perfect to start and run a team. And it's got me thinking about it. So I owe a lot to him. Um, obviously, I miss him. Uh, it was a very sad occasion for me to go to his funeral last year. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, he was a great man. But. You know, there was a couple of things that was important. He was from Austria, and his big brother, if you like, they were all in Germany. And I was Irish, so my big brother, everybody was in the UK. Um, so there was a lot of similarities there. And he was so great to me all through life. And I hope I repaid him a little bit because he used me to do all the negotiations or the discussions um, when when Lewis was in McLaren and they wanted to get him out of McLaren into Mercedes. Yeah. So let's hope... Let's hope I repaid him in some tiny way for the help that he yeah, gave me. Yeah, and, and a very yeah. good move that was for Lewis too. Now, listen, let's fast forward to, to uh, this period when you, you've started your own team, you've built it up, you've done well in the in the younger junior categories and you've made it to F1. How were you, you received by the other F1 team bosses? You were coming in as a kind of different character, a big character, not afraid to say what he wants. Did they, did they welcome you with open arms or were they like, who the hell is this guy? Who, who does he think he is? Well, you know, let's be clear, Formula One is about big characters and big egos and big balls and, and all of those sort of things. And um, I don't need to tell you who were some of the protagonists at the time, but, you know, they felt, you know, somewhat aloof and they felt that, you know, that they had the experience and they were going to win everything and, and uh, they, they, they were the mindset. So we were lucky to be able to be accepted uh, by the FIA as part of the group. Um, I, I, and I understood that they had stood the test of time. They'd invest their money in previous years. And um, so they were people that I looked up to. But I had some contact with them because there was a number of drivers, whether it was Johnny Herbert and when, whether it was Jean Alessi, Martin Donnelly, even Gasho at the time and Piro. I, I had helped place them in, into Formula One teams. So as a sort of an agent, um, these teams kind of knew who I was. Um, we had won the Formula 3000 Championship. We had won the Formula 3. And I, I, we had won in the junior categories. We'd won more of those races and championships than anybody else. So I think there was, in my particular case, I was lucky. Um, lucky because I think a little bit of a reputation, a little bit of the Irish Blarney and the Irish Mountain shooting my lip off and various other things like that. Um, it kind of gave me an easier ride because... I wasn't going to bow down to any of those guys, even though I respected them immensely. Uh, I, I felt that, you know, I've got two arms, two legs ahead, yeah. I'm, so I'm equal to them. I'm not going to... And I yeah. always had a great belief in myself, and I, I still like use that word more than any other word in my vocabulary, and that is belief. If you, as any person, as any individual, if you believe strongly and believe long enough about something, you will achieve what you want. Absolutely, to Could, but, couldn't agree mm. more. Do you do you feel like if you were given that same opportunity in modern day F one, do you think you could still make a success of it? If someone said, right, come on, you know, not now, you know, back at that age you were then, and you're now 2020, could you do it again? 
Um, you know, I have no idea. It's a, it's a question that's not able to be answered. Uh, I believe I could, um, not, at, not at an age of 72, but at the same time, if I was the same sort of age uh, as I was then, yeah. could I do it now? I think it's more difficult, but then I say to myself, why is it more difficult? I remember when there was 38 cars um, fighting 15 or 16 of them fighting for pre-qualifying. Uh, for the first year in 91. I mean, we haven't seen that since then. Uh, and the reason is because I think it's killed all of the people who did actually put cars on it. I mean, that was horrific. And I wouldn't, you know, there's only one time I was ever been ill in, in my life and it was as a result of stress and it was the financial and the stress uh, involving my first year in 91. Um, and, and certainly... Uh, pre-qualifying was one of those things but mm. uh, you know as time rolled on um, it paled away and, and we sort of made a thing I think Bernie um, who was a huge confidant to me and also a great help um, the reason why uh, he took Schumacher away from me and gave him to Benetton because he didn't think I'd be around even though I had a contract for the following year in 92 I think he he needed Schumacher in Formula 1 for the German market um, and he didn't think that Jordan would be around long enough to be able to um, complete that contractual obligation. And uh, as a result of which, uh, I got paid. I got paid handsomely for it. Uh, it kept me in business. Bernie vowed to get me an engine the following year, even though I hadn't got absolutely a pot uh, to play with. It was just ridiculous. Um, and um, hence, I wound up with a Jaguar engine, which was like putting four motorbike engines in one one basket and sticking them in the back of the engine. Now, listen, they, they saved my body, that's for sure. Uh, Yamaha were brilliant, and we know what great engineers they were. Um, but Formula One was never their bag. Um, mm. I, I survived 92 as a result. Uh, and, and as we go back and say, you know, Bernie was pretty instrumental because he believed... He actually believed, and I use that word again, he believed that Jordan had something that if we could unleash it and get it out of the, 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 the mire and the financial deluge that it was in, that we might find um, a little nugget in there that might be something that could add to the Formula One um, memorabilia, could add, add something to the television, could add something to the, the way Formula One is. Because Jordan was different to any other team, and that's what Bernie needed. He needed different characters, that just like he needed Michael Schumacher, because he realized that the untapped business from Germany was so vast uh, and so immense that by giving him, which was, Schumacher was the first real, uh, after Winkelhock, he was the first German driver to come on the scene, and Bernie could see that this guy had mm. sensational talent, and the man has such a vision, he wasn't prepared to let him go. He wasn't prepared to let me go, so I owe him a lot too. A quick interruption of the show to remind you to check out our Season 5 podcast sponsors. Motus One, the event transportation company. Motus One is the industry leader in complex transportation management. From hospitality, talent, production crews, VIPs and artist transportation, Motus One's team have you covered. They've also just launched their leading-edge cloud-based event transportation management system, Motus Ride. Now you can manage your entire event transport program digitally, making bookings, allocate rides, create approval processes, see reports, track costs, and loads more. Head over to motusone.com and hear how they can support your event transportation needs. Yeah, and I think uh, he obviously uh, had some uh, good uh, good eyes for talent there, old Bernie. What do you think of uh, 
Formula One at the moment in a, in a post Bernie Eccleston world? How do you see it all at, uh, in 2020? Well, you know, it, it, Liberty are doing a decent job. Um, but what we have to remember is that um, here's a new group of people who have been confronted with a, a, a virus, um, a pandemic that has been very unkind to so many different people, and particularly sport of every description. Uh, no people being allowed, and despite, you know, for example, in Formula One, the, the whole paddock club uh, involvement, people like Monaco selling seats, because mm. the drivers, just like the footballers, they're missing the crowd, and they're missing the excitement of... Um, of having the crowd participation, which has a huge effect. I mean, you go and you ask people like my, Nigel Mansell, how much did the crowd make to him? And he will say minimum half a second and possibly a second a lap because it sucks it out of you. It gets you that little extra performance. So uh, I, I'm disappointed with Formula One at the moment and, and I'm not sure why. And I think a lot of it has to do with COVID. Mm. I, I'm a big fan of Bernie, so I think Bernie would have done things differently. Um, I just feel that, um, you know, the numbers, the television numbers, they're beginning to fall, as as indeed a lot of other sports are too. So it's not just Formula One. Um, and I think things need to be done. And um, I think also we need to inject new passion, new life, um, new characters. And I think the domination of Mercedes is not helping, but that's not their fault because yeah. their business is to get to do the best car. Um, and Lewis in particular has been sublime. I mean, he has been sensational. I would say now, um, for sure, uh, in my view, he's the greatest driver of all time. Up till this year, I would have said it was Prost, and I know no one would have agreed with that, but I would have had Prost ahead of Schumacher and um, and Senna, to be yeah, honest. I, I, you know, I, I don't think you're alone there. I think many people now are, are saying Lewis is the greatest they've ever seen. Um, yeah. Some of the stuff, the, the records he's breaking are astonishing. Now, now listen, I I, uh, I did get some uh, little uh, tidbits from Mickey before we chatted. Oh. So now she tells me, and this is a mad one, your 7-Up liveried car, that uh, iconic car that we all know and love, she said that was something to do with Michael Jackson. Please explain. Well, I don't know where she's got that one from. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> look, actually, it's a true story, yeah, because um, uh, Benetton screwed me. Because I'd won the championship with Alessi, I thought I had uh, the Camel sponsorship. Um, and we had Camel with Johnny Herbert in 3000 as well. So there was a lot of uh, vibe that I thought that I had the Camel deal agreed. Um, that wasn't to be. Uh, Ford and Benetton... Uh, connives and contrived to nick it from me, which is life. Uh, and I'm a big boy. I, I took that in the chin. It's it. Look, that's not being bitter. That's a fact of life. Yep. And um, I, I, I'm not bitter because I'm in the business, um, the best business in the entire world. Um, I, I made some money in it and I had some great pleasure in it and I had some success in it. So I'm not a bitter person. I'm overjoyed with the way and the hand. The cards that were dealt to me were sensational. So we put that to one side. Yep. Um, and this goes to prove exactly why I am the luckiest person that ever has been in Formula One. Um, I thought of the Camel deal. The Camel deal failed um, a couple of weeks, exactly, exactly uh, 2019, was it? 39 years ago today. It was the, uh, 1991, uh, 1990, I should say, of that winter, so from now, uh, in December. Um, I went and did a talk show, which I used to do uh, to these major 
um, conferences, and there were 600 delegates from Pepsi-Cola. And it was in London here. And uh, when I spoke to them, uh, at the end of the conference, um, Paul Adams, who went on to work for BAT, he came up and he said, look, thank you very much, Eddie Jordan. We want to wish you the very best. Look, guys, big clap. Blah, blah, blah. I said, um, but I have to remind you guys, all you delegates, uh, for the next two years, um, we're doing the worldwide tour with Pepsi with Michael Jackson. It's something sensational. We need you to promote it and, and run with this because this is one of the biggest programs that we've ever done within the brand of Pepsi. So I said, well, I knew that anyway. So that was thanks. Bye-bye, guys. See you later. Uh, there, there was no fee. I just did it because I, you know, I put myself about the place. And um, I always believe that uh, your, your, your network is your network. And so uh, networking is an important factor that Jordan always subscribed to. Um, but after Christmas, when I lost the camel deal, within a couple of days, Paul Adams rang and said, Jesus, there's been a shocking accident. Uh, Michael Jackson put too much lacquer in his hair, burnt his head, and has cancelled the tour. And he said, are you still up for talking about doing a deal? And I said, well, I'm still up, but I'm very close to doing other deals. <coughs> Lying like hell. So I said, we need to do this very quickly unless I, you know, I'm nearly down the road. He said, oh, sure, come. And we did a deal and trashed it out. Um, and the reason it was Ireland, uh, the biggest beverage in Ireland was 7-Up. And um, we kind of um, went along with the Fido Dido. I don't know if you knew the character, but... You know, yeah. we had a, a little involvement in the Fido Dido character and the green was important. Um, and what was even to make it even more lucky, because I was working with Kodak, which was very much a basic yellow background of their coloration um, promotion was, um, when I told uh, Kodak, hey, some good news, I'm going to be with 7-Up and it's the green color. And they said, are you crazy? Uh, our biggest competitor is Fuji. And um, there's no way we could have... Uh, a car that's green because we give a wrong message and stuff like that. And they pulled out. I jumped in the plane. I jumped in the plane. I went to Narita, stood outside uh, the offices and sat for absolutely 48 hours till they had agreed to see me uh, in, in, in Fuji. Uh, and I got a bigger deal from them than I did uh, from 7 <laughs> That's up. amazing. So that's the look of the Irish. Yeah. I then went back You're a hustler. Told, I told the Irish government if they were going to invite all these um, heroes from from uh, uh, from America in terms of the, the you know the Silicon Valley, and they wanted to bring all of this new technology to Ireland, that we had to get rid of the um, the agricultural label that Ireland had, and you know Formula One was the, the, the pinnacle of technology, and they would be far better advised putting Ireland on the car, giving me some money, and then they could see that this is the new Ireland, the new inspiration, the new technology centre. Come and work with us. We have the staff. We have the education. <laughs> we have the ability to conquer Europe. And that's what they did. So cool. And they gave me the money. Yep. Love it. That, that's that's how you do sponsorship, ladies and gents. You know, for, yeah, forget all this from Eddie Jordan. <laughs> a fair bit of luck involved in that. I'm not sure you can get away with that. Days, oh dear. Uh, listen, Eddie. Um, we we don't have long with you, so we're gonna we're gonna dive straight into a very important part of our podcast, which we do with all of our guests. Um, Mark Webber's done it. Johnny Herbert's done it. We've had loads of your uh, your ex colleagues in the Formula One paddock. It's the Motormouth Quiz. I'll pass over to Harry to introduce it. 
Yes, Eddie Jordan, welcome to Motormouth, the hardest quiz in motorsport. We've got four bits of um, uh, sort of radio clips from over the years, which all relate to you. We're going to play them, you're going to listen to them, and then you're going to explain what's going on. So you're going to basically give us the context. You're going to say what you hear. Are you ready? I, my, my memory and my recall rate of some of this is not oh, brilliant. So if I say I have no idea what you're talking about, then that's fine. Okay. But at, that's fine. At the moment, the most points you can get is 14. And at the top of the list is actually Alexander Sims. Um, but three and a half points is the lowest. And that is Karun Chandhok. So it's, totally it's a lengthy leaderboard. Um, let's, let's get on with it then, though, shall we? Tim, have a, uh, play the first clip. Eddie, have a listen to this. Here it comes. So the five out of ten that Luca at the Montezemolo gave you, are you uh, concerned about that or do you find that as a good motivational speech or you find that a bit degrading? What's going on there? Sure, I have no idea. Five out of ten for Luca Montezemolo. No, Luca was... Uh, so who do you think uh, you were talking to there? Well, probably Eddie Irvine, uh, which is probably a mistake. It's probably not. So actually... Uh, Luca was always very good to us because I brought him a whole load of drivers, including Irvine and Michael Schumacher and Barrichello, uh, Bissicella, and of course, Jean Alessi. But um, uh, I have no idea. I'm sorry, pass. <laughs> uh, fair enough. You were actually gate crashing a Ferrari conference and you were talking to um, oh, sorry, uh, yes, Stefano Domenicali. That was who you were talking to. So, okay, okay. Well, that's fine. I, I can Slow tell start. you, it, it was in Brazil. If that gets me a half a point, then that's fine. You know what? That gets you a full point. Hey, had a boy. There, there, are, there are three points up for grabs per question, so that gets you one. Well done. Okay, one in the bag. That's not bad. Okay, clip number two. Have a listen to this. Here we go. Sam, you're not allowed to talk to the media. Can you explain why that would, would be? <laughs> Sam, you can trust us. You know what we're like. We're proper fee people, Sam. What, right, let me explain. Let's have a chat with Sam. Quite a while ago. What's going on there? Well... I think um, uh, Sam was um, Sam Michaels was banned from speaking by Ron Dennis. Ron and I were not exactly seeing eye to eye on lots of different areas. But it was Sam Michaels, and I felt that Sam was going to tell us something. DC drew a blank, uh, and I was trying my best to get Sam Michaels, who who had um, left. He was with Jordan, of course, in those great days. Um, and um, he went to McLaren. He wanted to talk to us. He wanted to tell us, uh, but I think he was kind of handcuffed, and uh, he, he was, uh, mm. yeah, he was banned from doing it. I don't know where it was, to be honest. But, that um, is I a think correct it might have been far. Yeah, I, that gets you the full house. That's three points in the bag. That is an excellent recovery. Um, <laughs> does, <laughs> right, that mean, does that mean I'm in front of Shandok? Because I can tell you there is no better brain or mind ah. about Formula One than him. 100%. Yeah. ultimate best. Make sure you get that across to your people. 100%. Oh, I think every single person we've had has said, how come Chandok is last? He is the biggest brain. He had an absolute nightmare. <laughs> he invited us to his home. He gave us tea and biscuits and he oh absolutely I'm not doing it. that. <laughs> no, next next time. <laughs> anyway, that gets you three points. You are ahead of Chandler now, so the only way is up. Here's your next bit of uh, uh, audio. Have a listen to this. Here we go. I would have sacked 90% of the whole lot of you at this stage. You are all superfluous. You are not needed, and you would have done it with a third or of less. 10% of the people. I love that. 
<laughs> What's um, happening? You know, I, I was pretty vicious about um, the situation that I needed people to be commit. I have to think about where that was. Um, and I would have said, said 90% of the people. I think it was, uh, it, it, it was to do with, um, I, I think it was to do with um, a tire a bad tire decision, something to do with Mercedes. Oh. And I was kind of talking to uh, Toto Wolf. No. Way off. No. Way off. It, it's, it's to do with, um, essentially, your, so it's your former team. You've gone back to visit it later on in a different iteration of the team. Yeah. In about well, 2012. I, I, um, and uh, I remember being that that was taken on a visit, I think, BBC, perhaps. Yeah. We, we did it upstairs in the in the technology center and, and i remember andy stevenson uh, yes. well done by the way to andy he was the one on the podium collecting the, he, he was with me since 84 uh, 85 so brilliant guy but I, I was talking to um with a meeting uh with um um uh, andy green who's the designer of that car uh, and I talked to his technical people, and I was just about to tell Jordan what I would have done with them, but they weren't Jordan, they were forcing. Yeah. Brilliant. You know what, that gets you, I'm, I'm going to say, I think that gets you three three points. Yeah, 100%. You started off on the wrong track, but you recovered it, so that's going to get you another three points. Okay, you have two more questions. They're both, they're not audio, it's all verbal. Here comes number four. As Jordan Grand Prix, how many podiums did you achieve as Jordan no idea. I would say 12. Oh, not far Oh, not far off. It was 18. Oh, my word. I didn't think we were that good. But anyway. Um, <laughs> not so bad. Just... Well, I can't... <laughs> can't give you the point on that one. Okay, this oh, no, is you your have to Give me a point because at least it was in the teens. Come on, don't be a misery. Come on, Harry. <sighs> Listen to the Irishman. <laughs> Fine, I'm going give you, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna to give you half a point. Okay. <laughs> Carew and I'm sneaking further ahead. That's all right. <laughs> Okay, this is your last one for a bonus point. Um, 2005 was the last year of the entry known as Jordan Grand Prix. How many points did you achieve? Now, we're allowing, um, you know, there's a bit of give here. So if you're in the region, you'll get the point. But how many points? I've got to ask you, was it at the time of 964 or 963 or was it uh, 2518? Because that's important. Oh, that's a good point. What, 2005? What was that? I think that was 9963. Oh, Harry, excellent. Well, I think knowledge. all my Formula One races were 96. Yeah, yeah, I think it is 963. Uh, uh, 9643, wasn't it? Uh, anyway, yeah. uh, I would say we got maybe that year four points. Oh, oh, Are you sure? Maybe zero points. If it had anything to do with the lot that bought me, it was zero points because they didn't deserve to get any. You got 12 points that year. Oh, no. Well, we got so, uh, not, not quite the end, but let me just do the maths. One, two, three, four, five, six. Uh, you know what? That gets you seven and a half points, which puts you just above Steve Ryder and below Johnny Herbert in 33rd position. Oh, that's, so that's, that's a long way company. <laughs> That's a long way down. I'm surprised yeah. with Steve Ryder, but, but you know... Johnny has, has had as many hits to the head as I've had. Um, <laughs> we're pretty similar. We're in the same bag together. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> now, listen, Eddie, you, it was a valiant effort. Right, we've got uh, a couple of minutes left, so we've got three quick questions for you. We ask everybody these questions, quick-fire questions. Number one, what's got you excited at the moment? 
Um, oh, I'm, I'm going sailing in the Caribbean. It's Christmas time, bringing all the kids, all the, the grandkids. And I think Christmas has always been a big time for Jordan because uh, Formula One, I was always away in the summer and the spring and, and, and of course, autumn. So Christmas, I adore. It's, it's magic time for me. Lovely. Harry, over to you for number two. Sounds lovely. Um, if not doing what you're doing or what you've done, becoming you know, a team owner, what would you have done? Um, I think I would have always been a hustler because I think being a team owner, um, uh, it was important that Nicky said to me, uh, you're going to be far better suited. If I'd followed that trend and tried to be, you know, a clever driver and various things, I would have totally failed, I think. I, did. I was lucky. I, I made it very clear at the beginning. Things rolled very nicely for me. The dice was very kind. Uh, it was for Bernie as well. We often laugh and joke about that. We're a couple of complete choisters. And, um, and we happened to make it okay. Not quite in his bracket. I'm still uh, a couple of million behind him. And um, a billion, I should say. Uh, mind you, we all are. But uh, nevertheless, you know, I've got a good hand and, and, and I'm, I'm just happy. I, 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 as long as I could be doing uh, anything that's outside sport in many respects is the thing I wanted to do. Now, final question for you, Eddie. Um, and this throws up all sorts of answers. Freddie Hunt, actually, when we asked him this, got a bit emotional because it was a, um, sort of touching on his dad and some of the thoughts he had around him. But what are you scared of? Um, I'm scared of being ill. Um, I haven't been ill at, at my age, 72. I've had just said. Uh, lucky. Um, I, 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 if I'm going to go out, I want to go out in a hurry. I, I, you know, I hear people having car crashes or airplane crashes, and so you know, everyone seems doom and gloom. But in many respects, providing it's quick and easy, I do not want to spend uh, years and years of my life um, in ill health. Yeah. And I, I want to be able to enjoy the time with the people that I love and I enjoy while I'm there. And mm. I don't want that to become a burden or a misery. That's a, that's a lovely answer. Thank yeah. you for that. Now, Eddie, appreciate you joining us. I wish we had more time. We're going to have to do this again in part two. There's so much more we want to talk to you about. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to the lovely Mickey for helping set it up. Eddie Jordan, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Catch Thank you again you. soon. Well done, boys. Before you hop off, one final reminder to check out the guys and girls at Motors One, your new transportation solution for minor, mega and signature events anywhere in the world. Motors One simplifies the complex process of event transportation and provides clients with unrivaled service and support to ensure your event's transportation needs are fulfilled. Check them out today at motorsone.com and if you tell them you found them through the Motormouth podcast, you'll get up to 20% off your first booking. Now, doesn't that sound good? Thank you so much for listening to the Motormouth podcast. Do make sure you give us a follow on our socials, Twitter at Motormouth underscore, Instagram at Motormouth underscore official and Facebook, just search Motormouth. You can download the Motormouth app where you can get exclusive video content from MMTV, create your own social profile to interact with other fans and check up on all the latest happenings with whatever motorsport takes your fancy. Don't forget to like, subscribe and review. And until next time, you've been listening to the Motormouth podcast.